Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this podcast. What's it like working for ESPN Radio? We'll find out more about that and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 36 of The Bridge. (laughs) Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports each and every Wednesday night. And what an episode it begs to be once again. Now, as some of you may know, I've been teasing a major announcement in regards to the Bridge Sports Podcast, and at long last, it's time to announce what that major news is. I don't think it's necessarily as exciting for you guys as it is for me after the month or so of buildup that I had, but it is still a pretty amazing opportunity, and I'm very excited to share that with you now. Before we get into that, I just wanted to draw attention to the title of this show. As you notice, it is a part two of an interview that I did with ESPN Radio's George Sedano. And as I mentioned last week in the debut of that interview, I was doing things a little bit differently than I have in the past and breaking that interview up into two separate shows. So if you haven't already, I recommend you listen to part one, which dives into how George fell in love with sports broadcasting, some of his early jobs, some of the early things that he had to do before getting his big break in the industry and really working his way up from there to where we are today. You can find that on my website at londonbridge.com slash Sedano. That's S-E-D-A-N-O. You can also find that episode on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast. Before we get into that part of the interview, I obviously can't put this off any longer. A couple of months ago, I started sending out some information regarding my show to some different local radio stations and some online radio stations to see if they might have any interest in my show or any of the things that I'm doing with it. And fortunately, one of the stations did show some interest and decided to actually pick up my show and allow me the opportunity to have a weekly one-hour show with their organization. Starting next week, September 7th, 2016, the Bridge Sports Podcast will now be broadcast live on Sports Radio America every Wednesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity. 
So to briefly introduce you to what Sports Radio America is, it's basically a 24-7 online radio station that you can listen to at sportsradioamerica.com. They have their own call number. They have a schedule completely filled with shows that cover several different topics. They also live broadcast some games. They're affiliated with the ABA, so they do a lot of their games later at night and replay some of those as the week goes on. Along with radio, they have daily sports articles. They have some photos you can check out. Sports Radio America is basically an international network of independent radio producers, broadcasters, sportscasters, and journalists dedicated to bringing you a fresh perspective on sports. So in regards to my show, teaming up with Sports Radio America was almost a no-brainer because you now have the opportunity to listen to my show live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm still able to produce pretty much the same amount of content that I do on a week-to-week basis. The only additional content added to the show will be some brief commercials with advertisers, which might eventually lead to me being able to reap the benefits of those rewards as well. But the show itself won't change. I actually have the opportunity to do a live show if I wanted to, and that's something I'm definitely going to consider in the future when I have those resources available to me. Recording the show at a desk in my bedroom isn't exactly the most glamorous of ways to do a show, and I'd rather save you from a lot of dead air if I were to decide to do a show live. I don't think I would be able to find any interns who would want to help with the show by working in my bedroom, so until that day comes, we will continue to do a non-live show, but you will be hearing it live every Wednesday night. As far as this podcast goes, that will be released after the show goes live on Wednesday night, and you'll be able to listen to the show in its entirety should you miss Wednesday night's live broadcasting of it. I'll have much more information about how you can find the show, how you can follow along with the show, the different call numbers for the show in next week's episode. For the debut of The Bridge on Sports Radio America, I'm planning to do a best of show, which will highlight some of the different interviews that I've been lucky enough to do in the past several months, which will help introduce some of the new listeners to The Bridge and give them a better idea of some of the different things that they'll be hearing week to week. So along with the platform of Sports Radio America, I will also be bringing a couple of new segments to the bridge in the next couple of weeks. Sports news read like real news will return next week. I'm also working on a fantasy football slash NFL segment and several others that I think you'll also enjoy. So I'm incredibly excited for this opportunity. I can't wait to get started with Sports Radio America and bring a show to you live every Wednesday night. It will be a little bit more pressure on me to make sure I'm ready to go every Wednesday, but I think I'll be up to the challenge. And as I said, the segments will remain the same. The guest list that I've been able to put together in the past several months will hopefully continue to grow. And I'm hopeful that the Sports Radio America platform will also help the bridge grow as a show, along with the help of all of my listeners. So to get some housekeeping items out of the way before we get into part two of my interview with ESPN Radio's George Sedano, 
First and foremost, you can subscribe to The Bridge on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast or by searching for John Lund under Artists. You can also call or text into the show at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. That will allow you to contact the show with your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, which could get you featured in the next episode. If you have an idea of some elements you'd like to see with the bridge for me to bring to Sports Radio America, please let me know. If there's a segment that you think would work well with this show, let me know through voicemail or text, and we'll see if we can make it happen. Last but not least, you can also sign up for the bridge newsletter by visiting londonbridge.com email. All you have to provide is your email address, first name, last initial, and that will provide you weekly updates and behind-the-scenes information about the next show and who the featured guest might be. Now that the show will be going live every Wednesday night, it could also serve as a good reminder that the show is about to begin and you'll be able to find out the different ways that you can listen to it and where to also find the podcast in the next couple of days afterward. Now, getting into part two of my interview with George Sedano, if you have not listened to part one yet, you can find that at londonbridge.com slash Sedano. That's S-E-D-A-N-O. You can also follow him on Twitter at Sedano ESPN, S-E-D-A-N-O ESPN. Part two of the interview will kick off with how he ended up at ESPN Radio, leaving Miami 790 the ticket for a new opportunity with ESPN. And it actually wasn't as easy as you would think. He ended up turning down an offer from ESPN not once, but twice. But eventually they were able to come to an agreement and his career at ESPN Radio was born. So we'll discuss some of the things he did early in his tenure with ESPN Radio and some of the things he's up to now. We'll also get into a fascinating conversation regarding perhaps his most awkward interview to date. When I was doing some research on some possible questions or topics I might want to discuss during the interview, one of the first things that came up upon Googling George Sedano was an interview he did with Miami 790 The Ticket back in 2010 with the one, the only, former Detroit Pistons and Chicago Bulls star, Dennis Rodman. Let's just say the interview took some interesting twists and turns, and George was kind enough to provide us with the full story of what really went down when he got the opportunity to receive a phone call from Mr. Dennis Rodman. We'll touch on a couple other things as well, including his relationship with Dan Lebetard and Stu Gotts, now of ESPN Radio and formerly of Miami 790 The Ticket. There's a lot of interesting stories once again for part two. And without further ado, let's get into that interview. So when you ended up making the move to ESPN Radio, the bigwig ESPN Radio, and I think around 2013, were there decisions based upon that they wanted the talent that you guys had developed in Miami? Because obviously now Dan has his own show, his own national show. You made the move as well. How did that process work out for you guys to end up at ESPN Radio, and you in particular? Uh, well, for me, it started back in like 2009. There was a woman who uh, was the senior VP at the talent office. Her name was Lori Orlando. Uh, she's not there anymore. She now runs CBS News, uh, the talent office at CBS News. And 
she was friendly with my agent. Uh, at that point, I had an agent. So when I got to Fox, I, I, grabbed, I got an agent. And I've had the same agent since. She, he connected me with her. She was in Miami for something. So we went and had breakfast. And then, you know, we talked about different things. And at the time, they were about to launch ESPNU, okay? So they wanted this young launch, right? Like, I don't know if, you, if you're young and old enough to remember the launch of ESPN2 when, like, Stuart Scott and, you know, those guys and Susie Colber were kind of right, dressed differently. Right. Was, they, almost made it have, they almost had this kind of MTV-like feel, right? Um, the clothes to go so with that, too. To, yeah, 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 yeah. So they were going to do ESPNU, and the original thought for ESPNU, at least according to her at the time, was that they were going to do the games. Clearly, it was going to be a big college network channel. Um, but they were going to do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of like in-house studio shows, kind of like think of like first take, right. Or like highly questionable, like shows like that, PTI, they were going to do their own versions of those shows. Um, and she thought I'd be great on that. And, and I was like, yeah, man, that sounds like a blast. And, uh, the ESPNU facility was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, most of it still is. And that's also where the SEC network is too now. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I'm not even joking. That was like November of 2008. So it was 2008, sorry. And then 2009 was when the economy collapsed. And that changed everything they were going to do. So they no longer were going to do all the studio stuff because that's expensive. They had already committed to the games, you know, so that's, you know, and that's what draws people in. Let's be honest with each other. Like the games are really what draw people in. You know, you build shows around the games. Uh, but that was supposed to be the original incarnation of ESPNU. So the first time I met with them, it didn't work out because of just crappy luck, you know? And so fast forward about three years, actually two years, February of like 2011, I want to say, I get another call from Lori Orlando. I had just started doing local TV on the weekends, right? Like, I just wanted to dabble right. in TV and see if, if I liked it, you know? So, you know, it's like local sports on TV, which basically you're just reading highlights or doing, like, fun little goofy things for two or three minutes. So, you know, I wasn't good at it. I mean, I eventually got better at it. So she called me, and she's like, hey, so I saw you're doing TV stuff down there. Why don't you come up here and, and test for Sports Center?" And I was like, well, that's not really what I want to do. It's like, George, just come up here and meet these people. Like, it doesn't matter if that's what you really want to do. It's like, I'm trying to get you to meet these people. That's how this place works. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I get it now. So I went up there and I did a test. You know, I thought I did okay. You know, I ended up meeting a bunch of different people, right? What happens in, the, in these situations is they parade you around and you meet a bunch of different department heads and you just kind of have like meet and greets with them. So it's almost like they're scouting for talent, right? Like, that's the way they do it. I go in there, and, you know, I, I make a real good impression. The radio guy, the guy who was running radio at the time, this guy named Scott Masteller, and he knew exactly who I was, was a fan, and he told me, look, man, if you end up here, I'll use you. Like, I won't even think twice. I was like, okay, cool, well, thanks. I'll keep you posted. So I don't get the job, clearly, because I'm not ready to do sports center. Um, so, but it was good because I got a chance to meet Scott. And a bunch of other people. So I met the guy who was producing First Take at that time. And he really took a liking to me. He actually had me on the show a couple of times. So I remember when the Heat were in the finals all those years. They had me on the show and I came in and I would debate Skip and Stephen A, you know, for a few minutes. 
And he really took a liking to me. So then he called me in and I would do like fill in stuff for them. You know, they just kind of have me up and I would do the show, you know, when those guys were out, like in the summertime or whatever. This is even before I was at, full, you know, full, I was at ESPN full time. Um, so it was good because I got to meet some people and I got to kind of get, you know, some TV work out of it, even if it was just very limited. Right. So that was 2011. Fast forward to 2012, like early 2013. So 2013, they called me back again. <laughs> Lori Orlando, hey, we just, uh, Mike Hill is leaving ESPN. He's going to work at Fox. And they're launching that new network and FS1 or whatever at the time. He was doing radio with Mark Schlereth. And they're like, we need a new partner. So, you know, I figured you'd be great. Scott Mastiller really loves you. Um, and, you know, would you consider coming to do it? And I said, yeah. I said, I, I would consider it, you know, work it out with my agent. So the first offer, I didn't, was great. Like, honestly, like, I was making more in Miami. So I was like, and I don't normally make decisions just based off money, but if I'm going to make a move across the country, like, I, it's got to be more than I was making. Right. So... Um, so I turned it down. Uh, and I think they were stunned to be honest with you. And, um, then they came back with a second offer a few weeks later and I turned that one down. And I think they were really stunned at that point that I wouldn't come. So Lori Orlando calls me. Oh, I'm sorry. I reach out to Lori Orlando to thank her. And she's like, so what's going on? And cause she wasn't handling the negotiation directly. So I told her, I said, look, you know, the offers aren't that great. Like the first offer was barely, was just below what I make. The second offer was barely above what I make. Like I need, I, I told, I gave her a number. I said, this is the number I need to go to ESPN, you know, to make it worth my while. And she got it done. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. I want to say a day or two later it was done. And uh, now granted, she was a big wig. You know what I mean? Like senior vice president, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So she got things done. Um, and she was one of my biggest fans there. So I was very lucky to have her in my corner, you know, which kind of goes back to what I was telling you earlier. You need somebody to really like you, you know, and you need to forge relationships. Um, so that's how it is. That's how it started. And then at the same, now Dan had already been doing the TV show. Right. And at that same time, they were also talking, you know, at the same time we were all talking that summer, they were, t they were telling him, we want to bring the radio show over. And, uh, so we both kind of went over at the same time, radio wise, um, even though he had already been doing stuff for the magazine and .com and, and, uh, and obviously the TV show at that point, which I believe was the first incarnation with just him and Poppy before Bomani. And that was it. That's how it happened. Like, it's just kind of like, kind of one of those weird stories. Like I almost didn't go twice. I almost didn't go. I, well, first couple of times I wanted to go and then just things didn't work out. And then when they actually had something that was perfect for me. I turned it down a couple of times before I actually took it. So it's just kind of weird how that works out. You're getting a lot of angry voicemails from these people, man. People want to lock the doors on you until they say, <laughs> until they see eye to eye with what, what your ideas are. They're probably like, who does this guy think he is? Well, there's, there's a method uh, to you. No, listen, I just think it's not about, I mean, look, I just think that you try your best to, and you can't always control these things. You try your best to position yourself to succeed. Right. And I've been doing this long enough to know that I got to be happy if I'm going to make a move. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, as much as my dream, I, it was a dream and still is a dream to work at ESPN. I grew up watching ESPN. For God's sake, John Saunders passed away. And my childhood is filled with John Saunders 
and Chris Berman right. and Tom Meese, who passed away many years ago, and Tom Jackson, who just retired, and you know Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, and all these great guys, Rich Eisen, you know, all these guys who worked at ESPN, and then eventually, you know, guys who became, uh, you know, pundits, you know, Tony and Mike on PTI. I mean, they legitimately created something that nobody had ever done before. And in essence, they were doing a sports talk show. So like that, you know, I, I grew up on ESPN. So to me, it's the greatest job in the world, but it had to make sense. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It can right. be the greatest job in the world, but it has to fit. You have to be happy with the way you're going to live your life there. You have to be happy with your role there. And those are big boy decisions and big girl decisions that we have to make. Those are adult decisions. And eventually it worked out. But you know what? Those first two times, remember that I wanted to go there. Right. <laughs> and they, and then, you know, the economy crapped out. And the other time it just, you know, the, the fit wasn't right. And, you know, so there's not just, you know, you got to be careful as to how you position yourself. Like you don't want to be, the one piece of advice I would give people is, do what makes you happy and find out what that is, you know, and make sure that you take a job because it's a good fit, not just because of the money, not just because, you know, it, it's you, it, what you perceive it to be a good situation. It all has to fit for you. You know, like I was at that point in my life, I was making a decision, not just for me. I was making a decision for me, for my wife. Um, you know, I was, I had a baby on the way at the time. Like, so there's a lot of things that rolled into that. So, you know, and trust me, I was crushed turning the job down. I don't say that brazen, you know, in a brazen fashion. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that to like thumb my nose, like, oh, I turned down ESPN. Right. I said that, I say that almost like at that time I was terrified, you know, to do that. Um, but I had to be able to live with myself and know that, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's going to happen the way I want it to happen, you know? And I know that sounds really stupid and weird and existential, but I kind of believe in that. Like, why put yourself in a situation you're not going to be happy with, you know, fully, completely, and be able to embrace completely? So, yeah, it was terrifying, terrifying that I turned them down. Um, but eventually it worked out. And only because I called Lori Orlando, or maybe not, I don't know, um, and I called her to thank her, like, Hey, I appreciate it, but this isn't going to work. Right. And then she just kind of, she asked, she was, she was my, like in my corner all the way. And she got it done, you know, and it wasn't even a huge gap. It was, it was a gap, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like going to end the world. You know what I mean? But to me, it was important, right? you know, to feel that, to feel valued. And they came up, man, they stepped up to the plate and here I am. You know, like, that's kind of the way the thing worked. But, yeah, I was scared. I was pooping myself. Did I just blow it, you know? Did you have to make any major adjustments going from a local radio show, if you will, to now a national radio show? What were some of those challenges like? Was the transition easy, <laughs> I, or did it take a while I, to get used to? No, I, I would say the language, first of all, is a challenge. Like, on local radio, you can kind of say anything, you know? Not anything. Um, I mean, you can't curse, clearly. But you can come close. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like, you could say the words ass or the B word, you know, all that stuff. Like, you could say that stuff, and it's not a big deal. Now, look, you could use the word ass in a quote, you know, like, or if you're kind of complimenting someone. Like, I, I can call somebody a badass on ESPN, 
but I mean, they kind of, I'm, I'm sure they kind of, <laughs> I'm sure they kind of flinch whenever I do it. Uh, but sometimes I think that's the best way to describe somebody, you know? But I think that a lot of, like, if you heard me do radio in Miami and you hear me do radio now, I feel like it's more sanitized. That's probably the best way to describe it. Was it easy to transition to the different co-hosts that you've had, at least at ESPN Radio as well, just that in particular? Well, I, uh, when I worked with Mark, I got a chance to meet him a little before. Remember, I, was telling, I told you earlier that I had come in to do some first take stuff in the summer. So I met him, and you know, we talked about how it could be cool to work together. Mark had done radio before in Denver, so he knew how to do radio, which to me is, you know, that's half the battle right there, you know? Right. And Mark Schlereth, it's funny, I used to get asked this a lot when I did shows with him, like, you know, he, just, he was this big, mean offensive lineman, right? And uh, sometimes on TV, he can come across still a little like me, even though I think, like, I always tell people, dude, he's a huge teddy bear. <laughs> like, 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 Schlereth is the best. Like, he is legitimately one of the nicest, like, most altruistic people. Like, Schlereth, man, takes care of people. Like, that's who he is. He is one of those guys that, take care of friends and family. And like, you can go out with Mark and Mark is, Mark is the guy who's like sneakily, sneakily like telling the waitress or the waiter to get him the bill before anyone else notices. Like he's that guy. You know what I mean? So like, he's awesome. Like he was awesome. And on the radio, it was easy to work with him. Like he was so laid back. Um, and we had fun. Like we had a lot of fun together. Um, you know, and I worked with a lot of different people, like on filling stuff. And I look, I had a blast working with Sarah Spain, um, a bunch of times over, you know, different points. You know, we worked together last summer. We did a lot of stuff together. You know, I worked with Jen Ladder for a little bit and Jen's a great girl. She's very talented. Um, it didn't work out from a radio perspective because I think that, you know, she was brought in in a tough spot, right? She was brought in to work with Colin. Um, and you know, it's, you know, the, the network felt that it was probably best to, kind of go in a different direction there and they brought in Izzy who had done some radio and obviously I knew him for a long long time and that's obviously been really easy too because you know I'm doing radio with the guy who's been my friend for over a decade so um you know it's not it's not hard to do that show when you're you're legitimately friends with somebody you know you know Izzy and I have been to each other's like weddings and right. stuff and whatever you know like it's, it's your friend you know we play basketball together every week for five years six years like we're friends what is your typical radio working day like from the preparation, from what you have to do to get ready and what you might even do the night before to just keep in tune of what's going on in the sports world so that's a little bit easier when it's time to prepare a show? Uh, I mean, Dan, I'm always preparing for a show. I guess that's the best way to say it. You know? I'm, I'm never not preparing for a show. Uh, occasionally, I will turn it off. Um, you know when I turn it off? I turn it off late at night. When I'm done with the radio show at 11, I will uh, generally, unless there's a game going on, like a big game, I will turn it off from a sports perspective, and I will turn on Comedy Central. And Perfect I've been transition. That for years. Yeah, and I, I've, been, I've been watching, you know, I, I was always a big fan of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I watch it now with Trevor Noah. I think Trevor's growing, and I think he's getting better. Um, you know, I loved Colbert. I watch Larry Wilmore now, uh, you know, South Park, whatever. You know, At Midnight, to, be, to me, is one of my favorite shows on Comedy Central right now. Uh, I think Chris Hardwick is a genius. Um, <laughs> what he's done with that show on the Internet is 
something I hope one day to be able to emulate on ESPN, just because I think, you know, not the exact format, but just the way he makes the internet matter on his show. Right. Um, I think, I think he does it like anyone else. And I would, uh, it's funny. I, I actually, I got a chance to, his mom follows me on Twitter. So we've talked a little bit about, and, and I missed her last this time I was in LA, but she's always like telling me whenever you're in LA again, come over and watch the show. I'll introduce you to Chris. And I'm like, yeah, I, I will eventually do it just because I, I do think the show's awesome. Like, I watch it pretty much every night. And I'm actually really jealous that Michelle Beadle has been on the show. Uh, you know, because uh, I watch it all the time. And she was actually really good on it. And, like, she's, I mean, she's not a comedian like those guys. Right. She was hanging. Like, it was great. So, like, I love that show, you know. And I think Rich, I, actually, you know, Rich Eisen's been on the show, too. Now, I don't know Rich at all. I respect him a great bit, you know, uh, certainly. But. Uh, yeah, I'm jealous that Beatle and uh, and Eisen have been on that show as someone uh, who loves it. But like, I feel like I'm pretty fast. I don't know if I'm fast enough to do that show with those guys, man. Like, it's just crazy. Uh, Beatle is, a, you know, her mind works a million miles an hour, and I mean that in the most in the greatest way possible. I mean that as a huge compliment. Like, she is. You can't phase her, man. Like, she's on TV and she's a natural. So, uh, you know, like she she fits that perfectly. Um, and you know, my guess, you know, I didn't see the episode of Rich, but my guess is that that's probably the same for him too. He's clearly really good on television. Yeah. Like that's what I do, man. I turn it off at night unless there's a game worth watching, you know, whether that's the NBA or NFL or, you know, playoff game in baseball. There's not a ton of regular season baseball I'm watching late at night. Like that's just, uh, that's just the reality. Unless it's like a pennant, a pennant clinching type situation or maybe a tight pennant race. Or, you know, those shows on Comedy Central or on Replay or something. That's what I do at night. I watch that, uh, and then I'll fall asleep. Or, you know, sometimes if you're on Replay and there's nothing good sports-wise either, I'll tune over to CNN. You know, I like Anderson. I think, uh, you know, what else do I watch? I love that Anthony Bourdain show uh, that he goes to all the different places or whatever. Like, I like that right. show. Uh, some some of my secret, super secret uh, guilty pleasure shows are like Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't watch that as often as I used to, but I used to be super into it. I used to DVR it at one point. Uh, so much drama on that show. Uh, and I actually like the show on HGTV, Flip or Flop. I'm kind of a real estate junkie, too. So, like, that's the type of stuff I'll watch late at night. And then in the morning, I'll start on sports again. You know, that's just kind of it. Like, you know, deal with it then. And, and then I'm, I'm basically getting ready for the show all day. Right. You know, I got it on in the background. More times than not, I'm not going to, I would say... I'm not going to agree with most of the people that are on my network about something or other. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of find a different angle than what most people are doing, especially because we're on at night. Like that's what Izzy and I try to do best. Like either talk about something that's more recent or find a different angle on a story that's been running all day. So, but yeah, that's to answer your question pretty much all day outside of maybe the late night stuff. I know you're not doing as many interviews as you might have for the ticket just because of the way that espn is formatted and interviewing different callers and the guest lists maybe aren't necessarily as long especially when you were doing late night and might have had to fill time i wanted to just touch on interviews. oh no we never did any guests we never did any guests late at night very rarely uh unless it was the only time i did big guests were you know at that time i was also doing the heat stuff as i mentioned like if i got an interview with Shaq or wade like um you know, that I could do, like, or, like you know, or Riley or someone, like, big, then we do it. But more time, I mean, that, those four hours when I did Late Night, we didn't do very many guests. And Izzy and I, because it's only two hours, you know, I, I would say most times we only do one, maybe two guests. Right. 
Uh, but generally, we only do like one because we've got enough to say in two hours. <laughs> so, you know, there's no need to necessarily bring in a guest in unless it's something that, you know, would add to what we're talking about. I tried to do my due diligence when it came to the interviews and check the Google to see if there was anything that stood out from people that you've spoken to in the past. Can you guess what your number one searched interview would be about in maybe... (laughs) Exactly. I I remember it like it was yesterday. Was that potentially your most awkward interview experience? I mean, you handle it. You handle it great. Thanks. Potentially? No, it's no question. It is the unquestioned, undisputed champion of that. Like, that's not even a debate. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess in a sense you might have known know. that was coming, but to have it actually go along the way it did, probably to blow your mind that this was happening on, yeah, on national Yeah, listen, and for those, that, for those that haven't seen it or listened to it, you can find it. It's on YouTube still, like, to this day. Uh, I was at the ticket. All of a sudden, I mean, this is how that story went. So... My producer at the time, Andy King, uh, who now works at SiriusXM, he's like a big wig there. And uh, he, he says to me, the phone keeps ringing, the hotline keeps ringing. He's like kind of dismissing someone and just kind of hanging up. I'm seeing it through the other side of the glass. So in one of the breaks, I'm like, yo, what's up with the phone? And he's like, no, man, some guy keeps calling saying that he's Dennis Rodman's agent. He wants to talk to you. And it's like 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so I, he called, the guy calls again. So he, I can kind of hear it. I go into the other room. And the guy's like, Andy, I, my name is such and such. I've worked with you before. I, I bet you if you look in your cell phone, you'll have this number. Call me at this number. It'll be me. So he's like, all right, fine. So he calls the guy back at the number, and it was Dennis Rodman's agent. <laughs> so he's like, you see, Dennis just wants to talk to George about LeBron. And uh, this was like LeBron's first year in Miami, right? So Andy's like, do you want to talk to him? I'm like, yo, it's 6.30 in the morning and Dennis Rodman is up. Chances are this is going to be awesome. So <laughs> we, so he puts him on the phone and, uh, yeah, he starts kind of talking, you know, about LeBron. And then all of a sudden, right, I hear the girl. And he puts her on the phone and I talk to her for a second. We're kind of having fun with her. And then she puts Dennis back on the phone. So Dennis starts talking to me about LeBron. He starts trying to hot take about LeBron. Then all of a sudden, he sounds completely distracted. And clearly, she was, uh, you know, working him, basically, right? Like, giving him the business. So basically, she's, uh, you know, performing oral sex to him while we're on the radio. So I could hear it. Like, it was that loud and pronounced, right? Or the phone was that close. And I'm like, Dennis, are you getting it on in the middle of this interview? And he's like, oh, yeah, brother. And I was like, we just started laughing. Like, we didn't know what else to do. Um, And then I think he hung up or we, I don't remember how the phone conversation ended. It was so long ago now. It it was like a thing. It became uh, a thing. Like, he was drunk at obviously 630 in the morning. He had obviously been to rehab a million times. He called us, and then I come to find out, like, he, uh, it got replayed everywhere, right? Like, it was all over the internet. It was on Howard Stern. Like, Stern played it. <laughs> Apparently, they were trying to call Stern that day. Howard said this, and I believe it. And Howard was on vacation. And uh, so they called us because they happened to live in Miami, and they were just listening to radio. So that happened to me. So, yeah, my most uh, awkward, strange, weird, fun 
crazy interview was definitely Dennis Rodman. Uh, it's still on YouTube. When I got to ESPN, it was the first thing people asked me about. It had only been like a couple of years. I think it was 2011, maybe. I don't remember. Um, every, the answer to your question is yes. Yeah, that's the stuff you mentioned about college not necessarily preparing you for everything. That's probably number right. one on that list. Mm-hmm. But you carried yourself amazingly yep. because it was just you, you just had to sit back and kind of put down the microphone and just let that happen because he was the one that called right. you guys and you just played it out perfectly. It was a great, great bit of radio. I wanted to ask Thanks. you a Dan Lebetard-esque question. And what I find interesting about both of you guys, first of all, amazing shows, but I think both of you have a very similar diction or the way you guys speak. And I don't know if that's just a Miami thing, but I remember when I was... <laughs> no, it's clearly not a Miami thing. Um, I, don't, I can't speak for Dan. I mean, look, Dan's just a lot smarter than me, so let's start there. Um, but in my case, you know, my dad uh, grew up in Cuba, but went to an American boarding school, like, like straight-up boarding school. So my dad speaks perfect English. And I'm talking about, like, the king's English, okay? Like... Um, like very, no real accent to speak of for the most part, despite being born and growing up in Cuba. So like that, that's kind of where I get it from. It's just, my dad is, spoke very proper English growing up. My dad clearly smarter than me. Like, I don't think there's any question. Like I, I, I don't think I'm dumb by any stretch of the imagination. Now, certainly people in the audience could disagree with that. Um, but yeah, all that is from my dad. No question. Well, I have to ask. If it's a Dan Lebetard esque question, give me a Dan Lebetard story from when you guys worked at the ticket. Something that he might have done, not necessarily during his show, but off air during when you guys are hanging out, or maybe something that happened while you were hanging around the studio. Is there a Dan Lebetard story that people would appreciate, whether good or bad? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think that here's what I would say. I would say the biggest misconception about Dan, for people that don't know him, is that people think he's like a snob or like elitist. And that's not him at all. Um, he, and I think his writing did that to him because he's so smart. I think on the radio show, it softened him a little bit, particularly Stugatz. But I would say that, that the biggest misconception about Dan is that Dan is one of the nicest, most giving people I've ever met. Um, I think that there's probably a handful of people that if I was in serious trouble, you know, personally, professionally, whatever, you know, that I would call. And he's in that top five. Like, he's just that good a dude. And I think that I don't have a particular story. Uh, Look, here's a story for you. Did you know that Roy was just a listener and that Dan hired him and Dan paid him out of his own pocket for a long time. And the same thing with Billy and Chris Cody, like Dan paid all those guys out of his own pocket for a long, long time. That's just who he is. You know what I mean? Like he takes care of people. Um, and if you meet his family, uh, particularly his mom, you know, that's not a knock on the dad. The dad is clearly awesome. That's who he is. And I don't think people, I think people think of him and they're like, ah, he's a blowhard, a gas bag. I don't think he is all that. Like, I'm not debating that part either. Um, but uh, I think that he's, he's just a really good person. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. 
I think that's what I would say. I don't, I don't know if I have a particular story. Like, you know, like, um, I actually have more stories about like Stugat just being Stugat. Well, that's, that's a given, of course. Like when I get together with Dan, like people ask me and him this a lot. Like, like when I was in Miami last, um, after he was done taping the TV show, we went downstairs to get a drink and, you know, like somebody recognized us and, and, and just was talking to us and, like, oh, you guys like just come down here and talk sports? We're like, not really. <laughs> like, we, as a matter of fact, we never talk sports. Um, you know, like we we talk about life, you know, and we talk about like maybe the business a little bit, but mostly like just hey, what's up? Like, what's going on with you? You know, that kind of like two friends would. But with Stugatz, like, and Stugatz is great, you know, but he's also Stugatz, like, and that, and if you know who he is, you know exactly what I mean by that. Right. He. I'll give you, he's also he's a huge exaggerator. Uh, he'll take a morsel of truth and turn it into a completely fabrica- complete fabrication. An example would be um, when Tarico left the network, and he did this on the air, which I thought was hilarious. They were talking about Tarico leaving, right? right? And I think that was the time, I guess, right? Bayless had left, and Colin had right. left. So Dan was talking about it on the air. And um, Stu got to like, yeah, I was talking to Sedano the other day, and uh, you know, we were talking about, like, I mean, the audience, it doesn't matter who's doing Monday Night Football. They don't even need broadcasters in the booth. And I'm like, that's not what we said at all. <laughs> like, that's not what I said to him at all. Like, they've actually tried the no broadcasters in the booth, and it didn't work very well. Um, and, like, he was like, yeah, even he and I could get in there and do it. And I never said that either. And I'm like, I, I, I think I said to him jokingly, I think you would love to be in there. And he took that as me saying, oh, even you could do it which clearly wasn't what I said, but because he's Stugatz and he hears what he wants, that's what he said. So Dan says to him on the air, um, I'm pretty sure Sedano wouldn't be happy of you breaking the confidence of your conversa- private conversations on the air. And he's like, no, 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 no. I mean, Jordan would be okay with it. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess not. And then, so I had to like call or like, I, no, I tweeted them. I'm like, I didn't say that to you at all. <laughs> And uh, it became like a thing that they were discussing for a few minutes. But yeah, like that's just two guys. Like that's just like I have a lot of those stories, you know. Uh, but Dan is actually really normal, man. Like he's just a regular dude, and I don't think people perceive him that way. Is there any truth to the story, or do you know this answer that Stu Gatz was one of the originators of the idea to do a Mike in the Mad Dog thirty for thirty, and ESPN kind of yes. went their own direction with it? Yes, all that is true. Excellent. That is one hundred percent true. Yeah, it was 100% true. He and I discussed it. It was one of our many millions of conversations. Um, yeah, it was absolutely true. He wanted to do it, and they absolutely told him, eh, maybe it's a 30 for 30 short. So all that is 100% true. You had mentioned some of the people that you grew up watching on SportsCenter, and now that's shifted a little bit. There is still the group on SportsCenter that we grow up watching on television, but more people now can say that they grew up listening to a certain group of people on ESPN radio, on air, and on podcasts. It's more popular. It's more nationalized. It's more easily accessible now to be able to know personalities who you might not necessarily always see on TV, but recognize them by voice on radio. And I know a lot of the shows are on TV, 
But ESPN Radio has developed now into something that you can say you grew up listening to these guys. And I know you do the NBA Lockdown podcast. You do a lot of work outside of the studio per se. But you've kind of become part of the fraternity and the sorority of the ESPN personalities, whether that's on TV or on radio. Has that hit you yet? Or have you realized that you've become part of that group of if somebody asks you, who do you know from ESPN radio or ESPN television? You're probably going to be on that list. Has that ever crossed your mind that you're now the people that the kids are growing up watching or listening to much like you used to do when you were growing up watching sports center as well? Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, it doesn't compute that way. Um, I think maybe because like I told you earlier, like I'm my own biggest critic. Like I'm never satisfied with my work. Like I'm just one of those people. Um, no one is a harder, harsher critic on themselves than me. Like, it's funny. Like I, I like all the stuff that I get on Twitter. Uh, sometimes like, even though it could be really mean and, and I think it's funny mostly. Um, and like, I laugh only because anything anyone has could say to me there, <laughs> um, I thought it much worse already. Uh, but no, I don't think of it that way. Um, you know, now that you kind of mentioned it, like I would, you know, look, I, I think that, I think I'd like to be particularly for Hispanics, right? Like that, those are my people, right? I'm Cuban. I grew up Cuban. Like, I feel like, like African-American kids grew up watching it, that grew up watching ESPN wanted to be John Saunders, Stuart Scott. Um, I don't know if we have that from a Hispanic perspective. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, Dan, maybe that, um, and, you know, I hope to be maybe eventually one day considered in that kind of category, just like women, you know, like Beetle, obviously, um, you know, comes at top of the mind, you know, Linda Cone, obviously when I grew up with, you know, and still doing sports center now, but yeah, like I hope that to be part of that. Yeah. But I, I never think about it. If that's what you're asking me, um, I will say this, I try my best because I've been very fortunate in the business that a lot of people have helped me, guided me, listened to me when I'm upset or annoyed by something or even happy about something. And I try to do my best of like paying that forward. Like I, there, we have a lot of great young kids at ESPN, um, producers, young talent, um, you know, people at all different levels, right. That are really good at their jobs. And it's not always easy, right? Like I could, I think, a lot of people maybe think like me, like you're just focused on the job. You don't really think about what it means, you know, to the audience because you don't feel it as much. Um, but I mean, if you feel it, you generally tend to feel it in a negative fashion. <laughs> because that's right. what generally gets put out there in social media. Um, but it's funny because not to go off on too much of a tangent, but Marcellus Wiley told me once, like kind of laughing. He said, look, man, with all the trolls that you get, that's a very small percentage. The people that don't send you anything and they watch it or listen to it, those people really like it. Right. You know, like, like that's just the way you have to look at it. There's a lot more people like that that are not sending you stuff than people that are sending you stuff. And, you know, I think that that rings true. I think that's something that people should know, like I, I, that work in this business, but I try to pay it forward, man, with the young guys. Like we have guys that don't work at ESPN anymore um, that have left for other jobs. I try my best to stay in touch with them. And I'm not talking about just on-air people. I'm talking about, like, behind-the-scenes people. Um, and I'll just text them. Just like, hey, man, all good? You know, like, what's up? Um, you know, let me know. Keep me posted. You know, I, I think that that's important. Um, particularly coming off of 
you know, just transpire with John Saunders, right? Like part of his legacy was not only he was a great broadcaster, but because he was a great person. Right. And he was part of the mentorship program at ESPN. And I think that that is something I've started to try to really do more of. Like I've always kept in touch with my guys from Miami and, you know, help them as much as I can. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's kind of what you want, right? Like you want to help people because you were helped along the way and you kind of want to pay that forward. So maybe I think about it in those terms more than I would like kind of the broad audience. Like I'm one of the people that they think is part of the fraternity and the sorority. Like I don't think about it in those terms, though it's kind of cool if that were the case. But I think of it more on the lines of, because I'm so involved in the business part of it and the work part of it, like my thing has always been try to help as many people as you can along the way, you know, just right. really take an, at the time and the effort to invest in other people's lives so they can kind of have the best experience they can in this business because this business is really hard. And there are times even for the greatest of people in this business that it'll bring you to your knees. And I think that you kind of have to, we've all experienced it, right? Like we've all been through ups and downs. And I think you can kind of attest to that in any walk of life. But this business is very hard. Um, you know, there's a lot of great things that you get with this business, right? Notoriety. Clearly, you, you get a platform. Um, but I think that dealing with that is not always easy. And particularly if you're one of these behind-the-scenes producer types, um, even managers, you know, I think that, you know, you're so immersed in it that you don't, you don't get enough, you don't feel like you get enough credit or, or, or help, you know, or even a pat on the ass every once in a while. And I think I do my best to try to do that. I try to keep a pretty positive environment on the shows that I work on because I want to make sure everyone feels good about themselves. Right. And, and also, and also learns, you know, about what we should be doing because it's not, we're not always going to hit home runs every time you get on the air. I mean, hell, most times you're not going to do great shows. Most times you're going to do, you know, you're human. You're going to screw up here or there. Like there's no such thing as perfect shows, nor should you strive to be perfect. You should just strive to be the best you can be in that sense and just have fun. Um, yeah. So I think that actually is probably the, the way I think about it more only because again, I'm immersed in all of it. Um, but yeah, to me, the paying it forward thing is something that sticks to me um, and has been something that's stuck with me for a little bit. Uh, but no, I haven't thought of it that way. So it's a long way to say no, I haven't thought of it that way. But thank you if you think of it that way. Well, I guess when you're coming into work every day with your coworkers, you just view them as that and, and your peers and people that you work with and not, wow, I'm standing in the room with so-and-so. Like people on the outside might view that. You're standing with your friend, your coworker, and somebody that you do radio with. So it's a different mindset yeah. just because of where yeah. you are. So the closing question yeah, yeah. for you is... Are you still going to watch the Miami Heat now that Dwayne Wade left or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. Of course I will. I have way too many people that I care for that work for that organization to not do that. How much did that uh, hurt, you though? Know. Oh, it hurt a lot. I mean, first of all, like Dwayne Wade is Dan Marino, man. Like, right. that's what he is. Like, LeBron leaving you know? was painful, but it was like, okay. But Dwayne Wade, he's he's been the guy, man, for a long time. Yeah, it, it's it's very painful. And I know Dwayne, obviously, a little bit. And, um, you know, I know his wife a little bit and yeah, that hurts. That hurts. I mean, that is a divorce, you know, like that's the way that that is. And, uh, you know, it's tough, man. You know, I love Riles and, and a lot of people in that organization and Dwayne's not there. It's going to feel really weird for a while. Um, you know, I actually have, I'm hopeful that maybe one day he can finish his career there, even if it's just a one year deal or something. 
but yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. But yeah, I care for way too many people in that organization to not continue to to watch their games and and, and root for them. You know, and, and look, Eric Spolstra. Um, I, I don't. I'm not claiming to know him very well, but. Like, this is all you need to know about that organization, particularly Eric Spolstra. Like, my first day at ESPN, he sent me an email um, just to, like, congratulate me and, you know, just like, hey, you know, whatever you need, let me know kind of thing. Like, that's the type of people you're dealing with in that organization. Right. I had a feeling you were still going to watch them. I just know that this is going to be a difficult off season for you to have to prepare for the NBA to come back <laughs> because he's not yeah, going to be there. Yeah, yeah, year. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, no Christmas game to report from. Right. No, I know. It's hard. Not only is he breaking the hearts of fans, he's taking away some of your, your work because they're not going to be on those mainstream games right away. I mean, it hurts, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that probably doesn't help my cause, but uh, you know, hopefully I'll end up on some other game that day. All right, George. Well, I have to thank you immensely for coming on to my show, basically doing another show. You do radio, you do podcasts, and you took some time to do mine and open the doors to some of the different things that you have to go through, which I don't think a lot of people realize some of the difficulties of this business, some of the things that go behind the scenes. But you did a great job of kind of telling people how you got to where you are today. And it's an inspiring story and hopefully one that people can learn from. But I do thank you for coming on and keep up the great work that you've been doing on all the platforms. We really appreciate what you've been doing and we really enjoy what you do. Yeah, John, thank you so much for having me. I was just super happy to do it. I'm glad we were able to find some time to do it and uh, good luck to you. And yeah, if you need anything, just let me know, bud. I appreciate it, sir. Thanks again. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can find this episode and all previous episodes over on my website at londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You can subscribe to The Bridge on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast or by searching for John Lund under Artists. You can also find episodes of The Bridge on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can call or text the show at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Contact the show with your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, and you just might be featured in the next episode of The Bridge. You can also subscribe to The Bridge newsletter by visiting londonbridge.com email to receive weekly updates and behind-the-scenes information about the next show and who the featured guests might also be. On the next episode of The Bridge, the show will be making its inaugural debut with Sports Radio America and will broadcast a Best of the Bridge show to celebrate the opportunity. You'll get to hear some of the best interviews and conversations that we've had on The Bridge in previous episodes and get a little taste on what you could expect for future episodes of The Bridge coming to you on Sports Radio America Wednesday nights, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll see what guests gave the best interviews and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve. On The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports.